Welcome to Books on Air. I'm Suzanne Harris. Books on Air is a series where we do a deep dive into the writer's passion. We talk about why they wrote the book, what their writing process is like, and what they hope their reader will take away from their book. You, as our audience and listeners, get a real glimpse behind the curtain, if you will. Joining me today is someone I can't wait to introduce you to. It's Dr. Libby McGugan, and she's here to talk about her inspirational book, The Power of the Lemon. Libby, welcome to Books on Air. It is such a pleasure to have you. Thank you for coming today. Oh, thank you, Suzanne. It's an absolute pleasure to be here and speak with you. You know, I often start talking about there being two books in every book, but that's not where I want to start with you. You've written three other books before The Power of the Lemon. Mm -hmm. What drew you to writing in the first place, Libby? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I think when I I first started writing the first novel that I wrote called The Eidolon uh, in 2007, and I never, I didn't plan to write it. It it kind of landed with me shortly after my dad died, and it, it just I had it's almost like a download of an idea and concepts and characters, and they all just kind of arrived <laughs> at once. And I I don't know I just I just sat down and began the process. Um, so it, it it wasn't something I planned. It just kind of happened. Um, once I'd done the first book, the second book, I still had the, you know, that excitement, that um, drive to, to tell the story and actually to discover it myself as I wrote it. So the second book was, was similar, the, the fifth force that kind of uh, unfolded itself. And I would say the same thing for this book, The Power of the Lemon. It just, um, it just landed. I, I, I guess I've been exploring this field and working in this field and learning myself always uh, for a long time now and the book is really a collection the power of the lemon is really a collection of insights that i've gained through my own experience and through working with other people um so it kind of wrote itself <laughs> and i was i was just the first person to happen to to read it <laughs> i guess <Yeah. laughs> i like that you have of course <laughs> described the creative brain and that's one of the things that I absolutely love about talking to authors, especially authors who have written fiction in the past, because that changes the way that you look at the whole writing process. Let's talk about your book. You said that it okay. just landed. How long did it take you? How long did it take it to land, I guess I should say? But how long did it yeah. take you to write? It, it didn't take long. I mean, I, I guess. The, the idea for it, I, I think it happened in, in March last year, and it was written and published by September. So it was very quick. Wow. It was a very quick process. Uh, and I, like I say, it kind of, it came naturally because it's something I'm, you know, I, I'm passionate about and I'm very interested in, and I know it's so helpful for, for people in their lives. So it, it was just an easy process for me to and a really um, enjoyable process just to allow all this to kind of come out um, in a it takes a roadmap really of of expanding into your whole being from um, the kind of confines of our personal mind into the intelligence of the body 
the wisdom of the heart and you could say the light of the soul. So it helps people expand on this, um, in this kind of uh, process, I guess you could say, f- from from who they think they are into who they truly are. You know, I think that one of the things that struck me about the book is that the two books that I normally think about, because normally when I'm talking to someone, I'm thinking about, okay, how, what's the backstory? What made you decide to write this book? And then the process of, of what the book says, because it's two stories. The backstory is a story that usually the reader doesn't know. The story that the reader knows is what the, the author has chosen to tell them. But when I started to look at your book, The Power of the Lemon, it struck me that those two stories are really so intertwined, you couldn't tell one without the other. A- am I on the right track? Yes. Uh, you know, it's, it's so um, insightful, Suzanne, because it really is a reflection on my own experience, my own learning, um, and what I've seen and uh, through my work with other people and from learning through um, other people who've, who've been on this journey and explored this part of themselves. So it, you can't really separate it. It's, uh, it's something that I live now. It's the way I live. I can't see life any other way now. It's so helpful and so practical. And it has been to, to me in my own life. And uh, like I say, with people I work with, it's, it's, it changes their life when they, when they gain this understanding at a deeper level and learn to work with it. Um, it's a game changer. So the two are very much interlinked. Yeah. Now, your background includes being a real medical doctor. You're not a doctor of philosophy. You're a real medical doctor. Tell me how a person with the kind of philosophy that you're talking about became a medical doctor and how those two married together and how how did this all come about that you that your philosophy developed? Because it seems to me that the science, I know I read about your parents and, and your, your dad was a science guy and your mom was a very philosophical person. And it sounds like their two philosophies would be colliding all the time. And so I thought to myself, she became a medical doctor. How did all of this coalesce so that she is who she is today? Does that make sense? Yes. No, it, it's, and I guess that's really been the catalyst for the whole thing because you know, growing up, I, I was pretty confused <laughs> because my dad was very much, um, my dad never went to university, but he was very much on a search for truth himself. He wanted to understand the world and how it works. So he turned to science. That was his thing um, as a layman. And he learned, he, you know, he was the most well-read man I've come across, you know. My mum, on the other hand, was very uh, spiritual and had a different philosophy in life. And they just go, I don't know how they got on, but they did. <laughs> For me in the middle, <laughs> I was looking at both of these ways of looking at life and I couldn't make sense of it. Um, so growing up as a, as a very young child, I, I had the sense there was something more. That there was, there was um, in fact, when I saw the, the film Star Wars as a five-year-old, um, I connected immediately with the idea of the force I just thought that makes complete sense to me, you know, and that stayed with me uh, through my childhood. But you know, you grow up and you get real, and you, uh, you know, people around you have different opinions, and so you, you kind of begin to absorb those 
And so I that kind of faded from, I guess I, I turned away from that and I turned towards science because that was the next best thing for me. And I was I was actually very curious about the miracle of the body. You know, how does the body know what to do? How does it work all these <laughs> incredible processes out? So I, it was more of a curiosity that I entered into medicine from. Um, and I spent 20 years as a doctor, 10 of those as an emergency medicine. Um, I think you call it attending consultant, yeah? Attending physician, uh, yeah, exactly. Attending physician, yeah. So that, that was my job for, uh, I was a medic for 20 years and I loved it. I, you know, it was a very humbling job, a real privilege to do that job. And I met incredibly inspiring people along the way. And I think that was one of the things that triggered the change because I, I, I began to notice people who were improving against the odds with conditions that medicine can't cure. And that got my attention. You know, I just began to think, what is it they are doing that's different? And, you know, how, how are they managing to recover? So eventually I ended up having to step away from my job because the, the job's so busy, you just don't have any headspace. So I, I stepped away from the job to, to kind of find out more. And I spent several years learning from these people uh, who had come through incredible health challenges. Um, you know, what were they doing differently? What was their approach to it? What was their attitude? What was their mindset? All of that stuff. Um, and then I learned from athletes, high-performance athletes, and, you know, just people who had made a success in their life against the odds. Um, because that was kind of, I was curious about the people at the edge of the, you know, the, the bell curve of, of average <laughs> that you can expect. People at the very edge of that, what are they doing that's different? So I guess that kind of got me curious about well, what's going on with the human mind, how does that work? Um, it, it led me into philosophy and physics and into spirituality. And I realised that I kind of came full circle back to where I was as a child, really recognising the wonder of the human spirit. And that's what, it became undeniable to me. So I ended up um, uh, working in this field because not only is it a wonderful thing to realize, but it's also highly practical and it changes people's lives. You're so interesting. I know that we have to be careful because I could sit here and talk to you for just hours, I'm sure. <laughs> I have one pointed <laughs> question that I have to ask. Do you have sure. siblings or are you an only child? I'm an only child. I knew it. I, I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. So am I. I could hear the only child talking. I knew it. Oh, it, wow, that's really interesting. I am too. And it just, I, I could just hear that. I thought, she's got to be an only child, and I've got to ask. There's something about being the only one that is very different, and anyone who has siblings can never understand that dynamic. And we can't ever understand someone having siblings because we don't have any. Yeah. <laughs> I just had to ask. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I never even considered that, but there you go. <laughs> yeah, Libby, I just, I, it just was jumping in my head and I thought I had to make myself be quiet. I was I wanted to ask you that question so badly because I thought this is an only child thinking and talking about this because as an only child, you are inward focused. I too am an inward focused person. 
and there's so mm. much that goes on in your head. I mean, my head is constantly looking at things and thinking about things and connecting things. I have a connector brain, and I sense that you do too. And it's just, um, it's very difficult to try to get somebody else to understand exactly what you're talking about if they don't have both of those things, only child yeah. and connector brain. Wow. I had never thought of it that way, Suzanne. But yeah, I guess you do because you've got more time on your on your own as a child. So you have more time to, to contemplate things and wonder about things and ask questions inside you. So yeah, I guess so. I hadn't thought of that. Well, and you have, to be, you have to be there more you creative. I mean, yes, you do. You, what, to, you have to fill your own time. There's nobody there. I mean, I didn't live in a neighborhood that had a lot of children, so I was really an only, only child. There, you know, mm. I, I wound up. Um, I'm, I'm a dancer. I've been. If you're a dancer, you're a dancer for your whole life. It's in your soul. And yeah. I, I would play dress up, and you know, I would do those kinds of things to keep myself occupied because. You have to do those kinds of things, and you have to. Mm-hmm. I don't. I don't remember ever having an imaginary playmate. But did you have an imaginary playmate? No, I didn't. I didn't. But I did do dancing for a long time as well, though. So I, I get you on that too, Libby. <laughs> yeah. You. This is really a little frightening. <laughs> there you go. Maybe we're the, the sisters we should have had here. Uh-huh, maybe. Uh, this is so interesting. Let's get back to the book. Now, the cover, I, I just thought the cover was very beautiful. It's a stack oh, of you. rough stones and on top, the lemon. Tell me about the symbolism of the lemon. Oh, I will do. But first of all, I just want to acknowledge uh, my amazing partner, Graham, who took this photograph. Oh, um, yeah. Gorgeous. So he, he's a, he makes films and he's an amazing um, photographer as well. So he... And he took the cover photo and it was taken on a Barvis beach in Lewis, the Isle of Lewis, uh, in the Hebrides, the Outer Hebrides in Scotland. So it's a lovely, um, it's a lovely time and um, it's a great photo. But the symbolism of the lemon, the power of the lemon is, um, well, I can take you through this right now and see, see if you can get a sense of this. But if you close your eyes for a second and imagine you're in your kitchen and you have um, a big lemon in front of you, a big uh, yellow, juicy lemon. And very carefully, I want you to cut the lemon into quarters. And now I want you to bring the lemon up towards your lips. And I want you to take a big bite. So what what do you notice? Well, of course, you your, your mouth immediately begins to salivate. Yeah, <laughs> immediately. Yes. My mind does just talking about it. I <laughs> know. I've done this exercise too, and it's what causes that. Why do you immediately, when you see cut, I mean, you see the juice of the lemon. I'm salivating talking about it too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's yeah. it just what does it trigger, Libby? Why did we do that? Well, it just it's a really powerful illustration of the power of thought. Because your body has an immediate visceral reaction to, not to a lemon, because there's no lemon there. You know, there is no lemon. It's to a thought about a lemon. So your body responds instantly and immediately and um, uh, appropriately as if there was a lemon right there. So it produces saliva. And the power of that is really just to, to draw people's attention to the power of thought 
and the connection between your your mind and your body because your body is listening to your mind always. Your cells are listening and they are responding to the, the focus of our thoughts. So when when you really see that, you begin to be a bit more careful about the focus that you choose, like the thoughts that you choose to send your body or that you choose to kind of um, spend your time thinking about because it, your cells are listening. And really to part of maintaining good health is not just feeding yourself good food and doing exercise and sleeping well and all those important things, hydrating, but feeding your, your cells good thoughts because it does make a difference and they do respond appropriately either through um, functioning really well if, they've, if they're fed with good thoughts or deteriorating if we you know, subconsciously send them uh, stressful thoughts. So it's just to really bring that out to people. It's a really practical example. Most people get this response when you describe it. Um, but to, to, to show the link that it's real and your body does respond straight away. That's a perfect way to explain it. And that's a perfect way to illustrate it. Because I don't know, I can't imagine anyone who would not respond that way. I mean, because you have the familiarity already with the object. You have the familiarity with what your body does when you take that piece of lemon and you put it in your mouth. We all know how sour mm. that feels. And so that's such a perfect way to use that. Great, that I, you've got applause. <laughs> I, I love the idea. Would you like to share a little part of the book with our listeners? Sure. Um, there's one line that I think is probably one of the most powerful things I've ever learned. Uh, and here we go. It says, attention is your superpower. What you give your attention to comes to life. We think we're observing the world. We're not. We're creating it. Whether we create the same things day in, day out is up to us. When we realize we're creating in every moment, we can use our superpower for good Begin to shift your focus towards what you would prefer to experience for yourself and others and watch what happens. Wow. I like that very much. The book is divided into, should I call them chapters? Because they're, they're parts. It's the mind, the body, the heart, and the soul. Yeah. Yeah, I guess they're chapters, I suppose, yeah. Could you give the overview of sort of what is covered? Don't don't give them too much, but I kind of want the mm -hmm. what do you what is the mind chapter about? Does it talk about what we've been talking about? Yeah, it really kind of points people, and I, I guess the way I've written it is just very simple prose. Um, it's an insight on the left page and a little bit of an explanation on the right hand page. Um, so it's a very simple book. It's not it's not um, it's not a tome. It's not difficult to read, um, but the mind section is really pointing people to the realisation that we are not our thoughts, that thoughts will come and go, you know, to understand the nature of thought is to flow, um, and that who we are is the one observing the thoughts. And once you make that distinction, you realise that you don't have to buy into every single thought that crosses your field of awareness. You don't have to, it's just a suggestion, it's not a fact it's just an idea. 
And that in itself is is very liberating, you know, when people realise I don't have to, I don't, well, I don't have to believe that, <laughs> you know, particularly the uncomfortable thoughts. If it feels good, if it's a good feeling thought and it make, it lights you up and excites you, by all means, you know, it, dive in and enjoy it. Um, but it's really getting that, getting you back to your true place in who you are, that you are the one before your thoughts. That makes perfect sense. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Okay. I think it makes perfect sense. And then the body, mm-hmm. obviously what we're thinking, you've talked about that our cells are listening. I, and I, I, can, mm-hmm. I have this image, of course, of my little cells having ears. You know, <laughs> they're all mm-hmm. listening to what's going oh, on. Yeah. But they do. I mean, it's, if you're thinking it in your head, your body is a closed system. So mm-hmm. where do those thoughts go? Well, they go into that closed system. Yeah, I mean, thoughts are bundles of mental energy. And, you know, when you get down to the root of everything in our world, it's all energy exchanging information with itself. So so the body and the mind are no different. Um, and, you know, the, the body, the cells of the body and um, the, the system of the body is immeasurably intelligent. Like it has its own natural intelligence. It just knows what to do. It knows how to beat our hearts, grow our hair, heal our cuts, and we don't have to think about that. So when you consider the magnificence of our human system, like the it's got what, thirty seven trillion cells in each in each of us, which you can't imagine trying to coordinate that and that number of um interactions uh for not just one deadline but for trillions of deadlines every you know, every day for a lifetime. It's just mind-blowing to consider uh, what's going on and recognising that there is there is an intelligence that coordinates things that is bigger than our mind. So there's something else in there that we, we often overlook. And I hear the overlay. And, I hear the overlay of your medical training. Oh, do you? <laughs> I, yeah, I hear the overlay <laughs> of the there. medical training. That. Yeah, but they're married. Yeah, I mean, it, it very. It's it, that's what makes this so interesting, and so your observations so so interesting because you do you do have that that biological medical training. You understand how we all really work, mm-hmm. but at the same time, yeah. you're overlaying this with something that's very different. But it all influences it, it, itself. Yeah. It is, and it's actually all the same thing. The really, because for years I struggled with this, Suzanne. You know, I had the scientific brain. You know, everything had to be evidence based, and absolutely, we need that um, for progressing in science. It's an amazing thing, and yet there's something more. Um, and when you begin to look at the things, you take a step back and look at all of this. You realise that there is an inherent logic in this whole system that um, is is bigger than just a the way that we've traditionally looked at how the body works. It's, it's more than mechanics. It's more than um, uh, just a collection of cells thrown together. It is, there's something intelligent behind it that knows how to run the system and operate the system and keep it all going. So beginning to look in that direction and working with it is when things begin to change, I think, for people, for the better. See, I told you we could just talk for hours. We have to. <laughs> we've also got the heart and the soul. To me, I mean, yeah. when when you look at the the four 
the four chapters, the four parts, they're just so, my fingers keep integrating, I keep putting my my four fingers on both of my hands together and thinking about the integration as you're talking about this because the mind and the body and the heart and the soul all all influence one another absolutely and the thing, the thing about it is, is we've kind of come to a place in especially in western society where most of us have spent a lifetime living in our heads Good. in our mind mm-hmm. and we kind of think that that's all there is that you know it's it's mental strategy and that's the only way to live but it's like that's like living in the attic of an amazing house and just never coming downstairs <laughs> but when you actually come downstairs you realize what there's all this as well there's so much more than just our personal assumptions and i guess what this understanding does is it points people beyond their personal thinking into uh, really their expanded being which is really a space of wisdom which I guess is really the basis of the heart space wisdom, connectedness, love um, authenticity Uh, and you could see the soul space is the part of you that is always already free so um, there's no, it's not kind of contaminated with uh, doubt, self-sabotage assumptions, limiting assumptions, all of that stuff that tends to trip us up. Your your soul space or your true nature, if you prefer to call it that, is the part of you that is clear and has access to higher quality thinking and creative ideas and that knows the best path for you. So it kind of opens you into um, a part of yourself where it feels like you're coming home to who you really are. Oh, I like that. I like that very much. You know, we've been talking about, the book is so interesting, and you and I have gone in so many different directions that mm-hmm. I know our, our audience is thinking to themselves, okay, where can I find this wonderful book? Let me give you a little pieces of information. First of all, let me give you the title of the book. It's called The Power of the lemon, L-E-M-O-N. It's not spelled any weird way. It's just lemon, L-E-M-O-N, by Libby, L-I-B-B-Y, McGugan, M-C, capital G-U-G-A-N. And it's available on Amazon. Now, Libby, I know it's available a couple of other places. Where else could our audience find the book? Yeah, I mean, I guess the the main place, the other place people can find it is Balboa Press, uh, who are the publishers. So they have their own website, and uh, that's a good place to uh, to pick it up if you're interested. Balboapress.com uh, forward slash the power of the lemon. And you'll find it there. Now, if they want to know more about you, you have a website. Tell me a little bit about the website and give me the web address so they can find it. Sure. The website is uh, Libby McGugan, my name, dot me. It's very simple, um, and it's really just a, gives people an idea of um, the work that I do with people, and you know where I've come from, and uh, there's a access to an email list if you're interested in getting daily um, or uh, three times a week at the minute uh, emails, just updates and insights. I sh- whenever I have an insight, I share it with with the people in my email list, and um, uh, it's, it's really along the lines of what we've been talking about. So. 
um, they have access to that. And there's a there's a webinar they can have a listen to too if they're interested on the web page. And so it's all there. And there's a photograph of you, and there's a little bio. So if they if they want to read your bio, oh, yeah. there's a little bit of information there. And you're really yeah. not doing social media, right? Not really. I tend to. F- I I love working with people on my email list. I love sharing in that. Um, it just feels like the right environment because, uh, to me, I, I mean, so- social media is great, and some people love it. I, I just find it's a bit scattergun. You know, you're you're firing your opinions out to everybody, which is fine. But I would rather speak to people who are interested in this, and you know, if if they're interested enough, they'll they'll uh, perhaps join an email list, and then they can get um, access to kind of daily insights and so on. And I would rather speak to people who are um, looking for this than to kind of preach to everybody. <laughs> Preaching's not a good thing. So, yeah, no, no, <laughs> you know you're I mean? right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. You know. It strikes me, and I think that this is actually one of your intents, The Power of the Lemon is a book that if someone in our audience becomes a reader and they pick up a copy of it, and I think they certainly should, and they begin to sit down with it and they start to read the book, they probably won't read it cover to cover, but if they want to do that, they can. But it's the kind of book that you can dip in and out of. And I love it. At one point I read that you said, even if you're having the kind of day where you want to just sit down with the book and hold it and then let it fall open to, quote, any page, then that's a place that you're supposed to be that day and read whatever the message is for that day. I love it that you talked about using the book that way. Yeah, I mean, it's, I just find that when you when you live this way, you tend to find that the information you need, the answers you need, will come to you. Uh, you don't have to try and figure them out. So you don't have to sit and read this book cover to cover. Um, but if you have a question, or if you're you know you're working with something, just just try this. Just open the book at a, any page and see if what's there has something in it for you. But I find that's uh, that's the way it works for me. So I'm, I'm hoping that's how it works for other people too. I found something that I want to share with the listeners. And tell me if you wrote this. I know you probably did. Look beyond the walls of intellect, of what you think you know, to the infinite spaces of wisdom, to what you don't know yet. Through her gentle guidance, your best life unfolds, and you realize the whole universe is on your side. Did you write that? I did, yeah. I think it's lovely. Oh, thank you. I think you're thank a you. poet. <laughs> I think you wrote <laughs> a poet there in your soul somewhere. There's there's oh. a poet hiding there somewhere. That's lovely. I Our mean, time is up. Is so there's, there's, when you begin to just scratch the surface of life, you know, the daily grind, and go a little bit deeper... And just open up to the wonder of life. You can't help but speak that way, or you know, look at things with with fresh eyes. So, uh, you know, that's what I find that those kind of words come easily once you you realise that things are much bigger than we first thought. You know, I think it's interesting if people will relax and let those Mm -hmm. kinds of words come, I think almost everyone 
has poetry in their soul if they'll simply let the poetry bubble to the surface. I think too often people think, oh, poetry is boring, and I think it has to rhyme, and iambic pentameter, and Shakespeare, and all that stuff. No, no. Poetry is just sort of, I don't know, maybe the magic of the soul. I I don't know how else to Mm -hmm. put it, Um, because it will bubble to the surface. I find myself, I'm certainly no great poet, and would not really share my words with anybody, but I find myself... If I let it, the poetry will just sort of bubble to the surface, especially if I'm just sort of relaxed and letting everything just go. And I look at something that I find beautiful or interesting or um, there's always something there that inspires me in the world around me. You know, it's just, yeah, yeah, you've really brought out the (laughs) the philosopher in me today, Libby. (laughs) This has been so much fun. I'm just I'm just delighted that you and I have had an opportunity to talk. But you know how I feel about authors' work, and you know how important I think it is that each author be able to leave the audience that are are hearing what you and I are saying with the final words that you as the author would like for them to take away from the work. We've talked about so many ideas. What would you like for that person when that that audience becomes a reader and they have that book in their hands and they've either read pieces of it or they've read the whole thing and they close that back cover what do you really want them to leave with Libby? Thank you Suzanne Um, I would say you have a measurable power within you to use for good to help shape a better world for yourself for the people you love and for future generations so get curious about that that's what I'd say you have been just thought provoking inspirational delightful I have enjoyed this so much so much more than oh. I can put into words thank you so much Libby for being my guest oh. today thank you Suzanne it's been an absolute pleasure I've loved speaking with you thank you remember you can find Libby McGugan's book The Power of the Lemon on Amazon. You've been listening to Books on Air, brought to you on the webtalkradio.net platform. You can also hear this podcast on Apple, iHeartRadio, and Stitcher. And remember, keep reading, keep writing, and keep telling your stories. Thank you so much for listening.